Welcome to Imperfection in Training. I'm Priyanka. I'm Maddie. And we're just two 20-somethings somewhere out in the world asking, what is art? What is life? What is the, the universe? universe? Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Imperfection in Training. We are back with an episode that talks about one of Maddie's and my favorite um jant topics um because it has to do with the arts and the sciences and likely we will get into how the arts are undervalued and underpaid just as a forewarning um but the basic the main topic of what our jants are going to be centering around is the idea of what does it mean to be creative in the world today and kind of countering ideas of science and creativity opposing each other and science not being creative and feels like comp sci not having elements of creativity within them because that is complete and utter nonsense and bs and we are here to tell you why yes exactly (laughs) we're basically going to be looking at how silly it is that science and art are seen as opposites because i feel like i always say this but I really do feel like art and science are kind of fundamentally the same thing. They're just both ways of trying to understand the world that we live in. And absolutely, like they may have different ways of going about that or different focuses. But I think that ultimately it's all about like, how can we gain a deeper understanding, whether that's gaining a deeper understanding of like emotional realities and like our inner worlds and how that impacts how we experience the world or whether it's gaining understanding of the external world and like how different things happen. And I think that quite often they're kind of seen as opposites to each other in the ways that, especially if you think about the ways that like education systems are set up, either you're an artsy kid or you're a science nerd or you're a sports person, but I have literally no experience (laughs) with that. So we're just going to ignore it for now. (laughs) But I feel like it's seen as very like, oh no, you can't possibly be like artsy and sciencey. That's weird. And I think that that is, as Priyag said, total nonsense and BS. (laughs) Because you need the skills of an artist to be a good scientist and you need the skills Mm -hmm. of a scientist to be a good artist. Seeing as we're all kind of doing the same thing, like we can all learn from each other and then we're going to be better at it. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that and I, I'm sure this is something we've, uh, that that has come up before in conversations like this, if you've ever had one, but I feel like a lot of it is quite gendered and that's where the real like difference comes from. Because really, if, if anyone with, no offense, but if anyone with any sense sits down and thinks about this, you will see that they're just different ways of looking at the same thing. You need, broadly speaking, you need a set of skills to survive in this world and to perceive things in this world. And science favors certain kinds of skills and you still need the others to complement them. And arts favor certain types of skills, which again, you still need the others to complement them and actually round them out. However, the difference is that arts is, I think, at least in a lot of Western contemporary society that, or maybe not contemporary, but a lot of Western society in the past that has then bled over into the ways a lot of the world sees things. The arts are seen as super feminine because you just sit and paint all day or you sit and like knit all day, which is, first of all, you know what, I'm not even going into that part of the rant because that's not useful right now. But that scene is super feminine, whereas like being scientific and objective and and being able to see the re- reality of things is seen as masculine, which frankly is, again, complete and utter nonsense and BS. Yeah, exactly. 
none of us are objective. It is impossible to be an objective human because we are all living the world through our own subjective experiences. And I think that people are even more subjective when they're unaware of the ways in which their subjectivity is coming through. And so this whole idea of like, well, I try to look at things rationally because I'm a really objective person. Like, no, (laughs) I'm sorry, hun, that's not how it works. It's just not. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. And I think it's so ridiculous that science has this delusion. And I think it's actually very, very dangerous that a lot of I don't know. You know what? I'll be honest. I don't know how many scientists have this delusion. I feel like a lot of people who kind of use science to negate all other arguments about everything have Mm -hmm. this delusion that science is the most objective thing around. Yeah, because I feel like actual scientists are very aware of the limits of their research. Precisely. And like... It, so it's not so much we're not trying to like be mean towards scientists like you all agree and like also honestly people who do a lot of certain forms of science particularly like research is really undervalued as well mm-hmm. um and like especially yeah. in our current political climate a lot of like researchers is being shut down so that's also great mm-hmm. hooray literally none of us mm-hmm. are winning all except you know rich white guys hooray <laughs> Which clearly both of us are. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) But I had a train of thought and then I lost it. I was ranting about... What was I ranting Uh, about? um, How... um, Oh, okay. Like, scientists... Okay. So, yeah, it's not so much about, like, the actual scientists who are, like, very well acquainted with the scientific method and like very aware of the limits of their research is more like how that's interpreted by like honestly a very specific sort of masculinity a lot of the time at least in my experience like you said the type of people who will try and like use it to shut down anything you have to say and not realize that okay maybe there are some different ways to look at things like maybe we should at least consider the other options because like you know what every single scientific discovery at one point or another has not been believed to be true whether that's Mm -hmm. like we didn't believe it to be true and then there was more evidence and now we believe it to be true or it was we believed something to be true and then have like discovered more evidence and now realize that it isn't and also this idea that science is objective is i think really false because like yes in a perfect world the scientific method would lead to complete objectivity however it's not being implemented by beings that can be objective you know like precisely biases really do come into science if you look at the way that like health problems associated with women are just not researched at all health problems Mm -hmm. the intersection of being of health and like being trans or like health and being disabled are just like not studied at all the fact that like Mm -hmm. most doctors don't even know what the signs of heart attacks are in women because they're not allowed to practice with female models because it would be inappropriate for them to touch their breasts while like giving cpr like that's messed up and also you know like science was used to like justify racism for centuries and like justify colonialism for centuries so like Mm -hmm. science as a field is not objective this is actually maybe a little bit off tangent from the like creativity side but i think it's just to like show another way in which dividing art and science into like art is irrational and emotional and science is like objective and rational that opposition doesn't really make sense which i hope kind of just like illustrates to you the fact that like they're not opposites and then maybe we should yeah. like get more into the creativity <laughs> creativity thing really quickly before we do that um just to add to that the other thing that i was thinking of was like 
Science as we understand it today is very much Western science that is developed in the Western world that goes on, mm -hmm. right? But science as a concept and the scientific method, different kinds of scientific methods have existed in human civilization since the dawn of human civilization. There's no way, like I think first of all, it's really arrogant to assume that it hasn't existed. But also I think the reason it's important to acknowledge that is because I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for a lot of other scientific methods, but I can, but I know the most about this one. So I'm going to focus on like the earlier previous Indic scientific methods absolutely did not consider the researcher and the scientist to be outside of the thing mm -hmm. that to be separate from and standing outside of what they were researching and absolutely considered their own effect on that on what they were researching right and if you look at anthropology anthropologists are constantly aware of how they might be affecting their environment and how they do affect their environment and i think it's really interesting that as it's called the social science and again like called feminine when the idea that like i think it's interesting to view that eastern culture scientific methods that have existed have also understood the fact that you cannot be ob objective in the way that we we define objectivity today and that mm -hmm. the researcher absolutely affects what he or she or they are researching but the reason that's important is like maddie drew the connection like literally 30 seconds ago is that by by acknowledging your effect on something human beings are creative right we literally create like we, we whether it is creating life whether it is creating art whether it is creating a perspective through which to view something whether it is creating a method through which to understand the world there is something very inherently creative about our abilities if we choose to channel that if because think about it this way like all of the systems that exist today have been created by us they're not systems that are inherent or have existed we don't know that that's not the most natural way to view things that's just how we view things time for example our maddie's and my favorite thing time is a social construct it is constructed by us it's created by us which is fine because the way, for example, if I say 5.30 p.m. on Tuesday, Maddie and I both know exactly what period we're talking about. So it's helpful. It's absolutely helpful. But it is important to recognize that that is the creation of something. That is the creation of a perspective. How can you say that science has no creativity when, it, when you have created a method through which to understand something, thereby creating lenses through which you're going to view said thing, thereby creating the way and affecting the way in which you're viewing it because you may be it's possible that you're actually not seeing certain things because the lenses you're viewing are causing that or it's possible that you're seeing maybe x y and like certain or maybe you're seeing everything because of the lens of view you don't know what you are aren't seeing but you're creating this perception of what you're studying by your questions and so i think saying that science lacks creativity or it doesn't in fact if you are an artist chances are you're actually able to be a better scientist and actually speaking as someone who does a lot of art and also did social science research in my senior year i i absolutely believe that all of the art and like art things that i've learned over the years helped me with my questions because and with with my conducting my study because you absolutely think about the world and perceive the world in different ways when you do different things and art as, and the other thing is like calling art art is also ridiculous right because there's music there's dance there's visual art there's film there's so many different ways of of there's so many different um categories in art that also require different skill sets and different perceptions and all of those things in different ways play into the ways in which you understand and interact with the world and the, the filters and lenses with which you're viewing the world, thereby, again, influencing the biases that you bring to a situation and, and the, the ways in which you are going to read the situation, analyze the situation, all of it is impacted by the same thing. So like there also is the idea that like the other thing to think about is that 
even with talking about how science was used to justify racism, how science was used to justify colonialism in the last 100, 300 years, those are again perceptions that science created, that scientists created. I mean, and the word here is created because to talk about it like it's inherent is false. Because the other thing is like, even you think about it this way, right? We even thought, well, we is incorrect, but Western science claimed that the earth was flat. This is my favorite thing to go on because we now know that the earth was not, the earth is not flat and that we live in a, it's a spherical ball of gas and well, gas and whatever, circling in the universe, like orbiting around the sun, all that good stuff. But those are again, models that we created and then we were able to confirm that, but it's all before that, the perception of the earth being flat was created by us. Like we have to constantly understand that even what we see is something that's created in our brain because the light comes and hits something and that reflects off of your the mechanisms in your eye and that is an image that your brain creates on the basis of what it's perceiving so i feel like recognizing that there's inherent creation in almost every step of your life is so important to recognize that there's nothing you can do that's separated from that creativity yeah and what you even saying i feel like we were having this conversation a couple days ago and you were saying how like in like India and various other countries, various different cultures never had this perception that the mm-hmm. world was flat. And so like, mm-hmm. there's also this, okay, so we think of in the West, like Western science is seen as being the most ahead of its time. You know, like there's this real like hierarchy of mm-hmm. Western science and then like other things that are kind of like discounted and not really believed. And mm-hmm. like that hierarchy also is not correct or fair in any way. And I think like what you were saying about the fact there's so many different forms of art, I think is why it's helpful to talk about like creativity rather than specifically art. Just because I think it has like a more fluid connotation, if that makes sense. Like it's not, oh, art is painting on a canvas, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it kind of is talking about like the skill rather than the output, which I think is maybe more helpful. And I think that like to some extent, I see creativity as really just like problem solving. And I don't want to that isn't like a complete definition by any means and I think creativity is so much bigger than that but I feel like at its core like at least a part of its core is problem solving and like that's Mm -hmm. literally what science is and not only like oh researching in a lab but also like comp sci also like mathematics like all of these like stem things is really just problem solving and like finding solution to things and if like you said with the how being creative helped you like formulating questions in social science research i feel like all of science is about asking good questions and asking the right Mm -hmm. questions because if people cannot think creatively and think outside of the box all they're going to do is find more evidence for what we already think you know especially because of like cognitive bias and things like that if you're Mm -hmm. not able to think about like wait what if things could be different like what if everything Mm -hmm. I've always thought was right is actually wrong like how would I even go about questioning this thing that I've never questioned before I feel Mm -hmm. like that's what a lot of the most important science is based off of right taking something taking these things that we've like taken to be true and realize and just being like okay but what if how Mm -hmm. would I find out if it's true or not you know like it's basically what like experimenting is and I think that like creativity is a huge part of seeing those questions and I also think it's a shame that our society really limits the definition of creativity so much Mm -hmm. and I think from what I from like most of the like people in STEM who I know they wouldn't necessarily a lot of them 
wouldn't think of themselves as creative people and when they do they see their creativity as like oh it manifests in a hobby that they do but not in like their stem stuff you know they're like oh I'm creative because I like playing music with my friends but I'm not creative at work and Mm -hmm. like I think that's such a shame because I think I think it also kind of ties into like other things that we value especially a lot in like education at the moment is you know like learning knowledge rather than learning skills and like learning how to think And I think that that can be really damaging because, like, we have this amazing tool that in our brain and we're not even learning how to, like, use it most effectively. Mm-hmm. When, like, one of the amazing things we could do is question things. And this is why sometimes an example I use a lot to illustrate this is the difference between essay writing in the UK and the US. Obviously, these aren't the two only places, but they're the two places that I have experience <laughs> writing essays in. And in the US, when I was like, you know, writing SAT essays and stuff, you're supposed to have your argument and then all of your evidence points to that argument being true and then you have your conclusion. And like, that's a bad argument. I'm sorry, but that is a bad argument. How on earth can you possibly believe something if you haven't looked at all of the alternatives and questioned why that is less good than your argument? In the UK, what you have to do is have like a balance of like, okay, these are the things that don't prove this, these are the things that do prove this, and then this is why the evidence for why this is true is more compelling than the evidence for why it isn't. And I feel like that line of questioning has served me personally so much better in terms of just, like, being able to think outside the box and being able to, like, think of my own things rather than just, like, following what other people have said. And... I also know that this is like an innate skill that so many people who work in STEM fields like have as well because like you need it to succeed in those fields and to like mm-hmm. do great work but I I feel like they don't I don't know I don't know if it's that like they don't see value in being creative or if they don't feel like they have a right to use the word creative to describe them and I'm sure it's a mixture and I think like it makes me really sad if people would feel like they didn't have a right to call themselves creative because there's this like gatekeeping around what being creative mm-hmm. means. But then I do also feel like, especially, I don't know, I've had so many interactions with people where like they really do deliberately look down upon people who are creative in the more like traditional societally defined sense. And I think yeah. that's also like really unfortunate because science and like stem in general is only going to like be better the more that we value the arts as well right like Mm -hmm. the more we value like really deep inquiry and exploration and also like the arts have a lot to learn from science as well like what artist has ever just like done something brilliant first time around no you're constantly like experimenting like effectively Mm -hmm. testing your hypothesis seeing if like Mm -hmm. the direction you wanted to go down is the right direction for the project you're pursuing like experimentation adjusting your hypothesis experiment again adjust your hypothesis experiment again okay what are the results you know like isn't that science to an extent (laughs) no it is and oh my just to quickly interject because i have something that totally ties into Mm -hmm. that because i never thought about it in that way before but even thinking about the art that i do and specifically the the pastel art that I do I realized that I totally do the same things where I start off with like four or five colors that I that at first I'm like I'm only going to use these and then I realize I want to use another color to highlight something else and then I realize that the color may not work and then I pick something else to kind of negate that effect and you keep going and you're totally right I never saw it like that before but it absolutely is this is what I think is going to look good and this is what I think I want oh wait I'm seeing that this is coming up I think I need to adjust my method by this way and it's totally it's just a question of how you look at it Mm -hmm. whereas like 
I would have person like whereas until now I've described that as oh intuitively I think this but you're totally right it's just a question of finding patterns adjusting finding patterns adjusting seeing what works seeing what doesn't mm -hmm. yeah and like so. maybe that like experimentation and adjustment like comes about in a more intuitive way but that doesn't mean that it's less good than the like more mm -hmm. deliberate way in the scientific method I I don't know and I also like I think a lot of people underestimate how intuitive science is, you know, it's not mm -hmm. like, like every time you'll maybe thinking about like, okay, how should I reformulate this research question? There is an element of intuition and gut feeling that comes into that, you know, like you go mm -hmm. with a certain decision and like, okay, maybe every time you make a decision, you make an incredibly logical pro con list about like all of the different options and evaluate them and have a point system or whatever. And, <laughs> but I don't think that you do that all the time. I think sometimes intuitively you're like, okay, well, this didn't work out. Here's how I'm going to reformulate it again. And like, I think that that will yield better results. Mm -hmm. Like there's intuition that comes into that. I just don't think that they're as different as they think they are. Oh, I completely agree. And I think, and I was thinking about what you were saying about the gatekeeping um, mm -hmm. with the whole creativity concept. And the comment you made after that totally resonated with me where I think I have been so defensive the minute I tell people I studied art or like I tend to, I'm a creative person or whatever because I can automatically tell they're going oh she's one of those hippie artsy types and well sure sure whatever I have hippie tendencies I'm not sitting here pretending I don't <laughs> but but also the reason I get so defensive is because like I come from a family of engineers my mom and dad both studied engineering and then did their MBAs my brother did computer science and is probably going to do an MBA at some point in his life and and well, honestly, it's like, I feel like because those fields are seen as more useful, I am more, I've always been more protective of my creativity because it's something that's given me a sense of identity and a sense of worthiness because you're made to feel so trash about the fact that mm -hmm. you don't want to pursue that, which for the record, by the way, I am freaking fantastic at math. And I also did very, very well in science. Okay, to the point yeah, that this my dad was thing literally like, me you should so... do science in college. This is the like, thing that pisses me off so much because as soon as people are like, I'm, they're like, oh, what did you major in? And I'm like, sociology and art history. And they're like, oh, you must be so creative. And I'm like, well, first of all, yes, I am. Second of all, <laughs> like, I, they're implying that therefore I'm kind of stupid or like every mm -hmm. And like, it sucks because also I like so many people in the arts do this as well and like play into this stereotype where yeah. they're like constantly be making like self-deprecating jokes don't get me wrong like this is the one respect in which i am a true brit i love my self-deprecating humor i'm a huge fan <laughs> of it i think it is a great way to process things to have a good time i enjoy laughing at myself it makes me feel like i'm hilarious it's very good <laughs> however you know what not all like I don't know okay so like for example in college I took we had to take two maths requirements and one of the classes that I took was the um math of social choice which was basically about like the mathematics behind like voting systems of voting elections and like things mm -hmm. like that and it was super interesting and like okay yes granted it wasn't like the most difficult math class out there but a lot of people were like oh well that's just the math class of people who aren't good at maths and it's like no, I was literally 
for my entire primary school experience, I went into school 45 minutes early every day to do an extra maths class with my maths teacher because I was that much of a maths nerd. And then like when I was choosing A-levels, my maths teacher wanted me to do maths and further maths. Like, because, <laughs> like, and I don't mean to be boastful, but like, just because you can do something doesn't mean it's what you want to do. And I think it's... Yep so unfortunate that like as a society because we like value certain things more we're like oh well if you're good at that thing then you have to do it and it's like why though i don't know and then like and it sucks because it also like i find that in conversations that i have with people who do stem and things like that like especially because i find that have you ever come across this thing where like someone in stem will like deliberately explain their research to you in like a really inaccessible way because it like makes them feel smart and i always think like if you cannot explain your research to someone and like meet them at the level that they're at that just means you're bad at communicating and it means that like you don't even understand your research well enough precisely in fact albert einstein said that too he said if you can't teach your your theories and science to a six-year-old you don't understand it well enough yourself exactly exactly because like part of understanding something is being able to like extrapolate like the core of it and communicate that to someone at any level Mm -hmm. and then it sucks because like i always make an effort to make sure that things i'm like thinking about or learning about are like accessible to people in different fields and not use Mm -hmm. a bunch of like stupid jargon and stuff like that to make people feel stupid but then a lot of like science people take that as like well anyone can understand art history anyone can understand sociology only special people understand physics and I'm like (laughs) no if I were talking about this at the same level as you're talking about that you also wouldn't understand it but the difference is is that I'm not a jerk like (laughs) <laughs> it's as simple as that. I mean, I'm sure I am sometimes, but not in this context. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And I think, and that's the, that's, um, I'm completely with you. And I had a thought and it just foofed. So I'm going to need a second for okay. it to unfoof. Well, I have more things to say. So <laughs> I think it's also really important to talk about the, like, way that arts and sciences are valued like monetarily in society as well in Mm -hmm. terms of like stem jobs and fields are like looked upon as so much more prestigious and have like so much more financial compensation like Mm -hmm. honestly like starting salaries like entry-level salaries in tech companies are like six figures and like that is more than you could ever like really dream of making working in like arts education, you know, like mm-hmm. even the people like at the top of the top make maybe like 70k, you know, and yet a starting an entry level salary is like 100k at a lot of big tech companies like that's ridiculous. Yeah. And also, like, explain to me what a 22-year-old needs $100,000 for. Please explain to me what a 22-year-old needs like that sort of a like something it's just i just what 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 i'm 22 i don't need that kind of money i just don't yeah i mean technically you're 23 <laughs> sorry that is maybe the first time in my life i've thought i'm younger than i am i know that's really <laughs> okay moving on moving my point on. still stands yeah exactly and it's also like really someone who this is their very first job they're creating that level of value I think these companies just have too much money. Mm-hmm. But that's a thing. I think also because honestly, like, I can't think of a single big tech company that's like an ethical company that like cares more about the value that it provides than its bottom line. So like, I'm not surprised mm-hmm. they have too much money because they <laughs> have no morals. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
maybe not they have no morals they just have fewer morals that i would like them to have <laughs> slash they don't let their morals affect their work and i don't quite know if that's the life i want to live either yeah yeah and this isn't like a criticism of like the individual people working at those companies mm-hmm. because also like you know like you also have yourself to think about and like yeah i don't know i don't think it's a coincidence that so many people who want to work in like the non-profit world or the art world end up like sacrificing those dreams in order to do something more stable because like it comes to a point where it's just not feasible you gotta it's put not food feasible on the table. exactly and it, it's especially not feasible if you're required you know for example in like arts education like museum education you would be expected to do at least like a year-long probably unpaid internship maybe then like a year long oh and then a master's which is like you know one to two years long and like costs a lot of money and then you'd be expected to do another like year or two doing fellowships where maybe you would earn like 10k a year which honestly in most like cities is not enough to live on like it won't even be enough to like cover like rent and transport for a year Mm -hmm. let alone like food and like anything else um Mm. And then maybe you can expect to earn like 18k and then do that for like the next 10 years while you also yeah. give up your like weekends and evenings and all of that because like it's so like understaffed and underpaid that like no one is doing that. Can we also acknowledge the fact that for all of these hoity toity science, like tech folks who think that the arts are so. Um, unnecessary and like people in the arts are so stupid can we acknowledge the only reason you have any life is because of the rest of us the reason you can go out to the movies and watch a movie is because someone in the arts created it the mm-hmm. reason you can go out to a museum and ha- understand and like interact with the art is because there's someone who's not getting paid enough who's actually studied a lot of art to be able to sit there and interact with you and meet you at your level unlike you who's acting like you're bigger than them because you earn more money than them exactly i think it is so unbelievably ridiculous that people don't realize that if artists all over the world if we all sat down or like cre- people stereotypically creative all decided to just like revolt for a day and say we refuse to do anything for you like come at us try us the world would stop running you don't do you not like it's so unbelievable how taken for granted creative quote-unquote creative fields are Uh because you just literally there we the world would not run how you're telling me that you would find you how who's going to design your houses who's going to because Who's I mean, going to design your web pages and marketing that is allowing your company to be successful in the first place? Precisely. Who's going to give you the branding that you need to actually have, like, to create the same very capitalistic commercial market that you thrive on and make all of your money off of? Mm-hmm. Who's going to do all of that? Who's going to create the entertainment that you love watching or listening to on a weekend or that that is that you will very happily come and say, oh, I binged this because I really needed something to watch and needed to get my mind off of? Who's going to do that if there's no artists around? Mm-hmm. Who's going to give you the museums to go to? Who's going to do any of this if people who are, again, quote unquote creative, which well, we're not not creative, but we're not the only ones being creative anyway. But who's going to do that if people in the arts don't do their job? Mm-hmm. Like, and then and, also like, like this whole idea that like oh, but like you like your job, so therefore you don't deserve to be paid. Like, I'm sorry, what kind shit. of messed up BS is that? No, no. Firstly, like you know what, it would be lovely if everyone liked their job. I know that that's like not feasible. I know that that's idealistic. But this idea that people should be punished for doing something that they like or like. Because you know what, like, life satisfaction doesn't pay for anything. 
Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And yes, I think that a lot, like every creative person, or like every person working in a like stereotypically creative industry, like is really aware of that. and really aware of the fact that like, they're going to probably have to make a lot of like sacrifices and like not have the lifestyle that like many of their peers are having because like, it just isn't going to pay that well because and then also the number of people who want to have things like done for free for them like the number of people who want logos designed for free who want like mm-hmm. all of these things done for free because it's like oh but you're getting exposure oh but like you enjoy the work don't you and it's like yes but it is still work you know like I don't it know I just a lot of time and skills exactly because it's also you're also training for like like you're also paying for all of the training that that person's been through you're paying for their expertise the time it's taken for them to gain that expertise like I don't know and I think and because a lot of people are like oh well like mm-hmm. but I could do that and it's like really like do you know how like different okay let's think about like logo design for example do you know how like color theory and like different color palettes are going to like impact the person who like you're marketing this to do you know how different fonts are going to impact them do you know like the because there's honestly like a lot of psychology that goes into good Mm -hmm. design you know it just it really sucks that it's so it's so undervalued not only monetarily but just in the like respect of the skills that people have yeah and i think it's ridiculous because what really irritates me is the amount of entitlement that comes with this is like Mm -hmm. oh I could do this myself if I sat and learned it so you're obviously not worth a lot but okay do it then yeah actually going along that piece of entitlement oh my goodness I was watching this um YouTube video and it irritated me so much have you heard of Gary Vee or Gary Vaynerchuk no I don't think so okay so he's like a really really big person in the field of like personal development like entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. things like that Um, and a lot of people really idolize him and he was like doing an interview, um, with a, I think this guy's like a full-time illustrator and like he does YouTube Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and Gary Vee, who also makes a ridiculous amount of money has, in my opinion, a probably very unhealthy attitude to it. He's very much like all about the hustle and I don't know, I think that that needs to be like more, you need to have a more nuanced relationship with the concept of like the (laughs) hustle. But he was saying that artists are entitled for wanting to be paid for their work. And I was like, no, people are entitled for wanting things being done for them for free. Yes, obviously, when you are just starting out, if like this is the first like thing you've ever done. So, for example, like at the moment, I am um, like planning how to become a life coach. And I don't know like exactly what form that will take. But I know like in the beginning, I will have to do some coaching for free to like build up like people, you know, get your name out there, build up testimonials, things like that. But that's very different. Because that's like, okay, yes, I understand that I will have to do this for a time in order to like get all of these other benefits. But eventually, the reason I'm doing that is because then I will be able to like be paid doing that, right? It is not entitled also, to want to be paid. It is entitled for people to want a service for free. When someone is still mm-hmm. in training, still learning the skills, really at the very, very, very beginning of the journey, like, yes, you can offer them things that are more valuable than like the money that they could earn by like selling something, you know? And like, yes, that has its time and place, but work should be valued whatever it is. And that goes for everything. That goes for like people working in like other industries that are really underpaid and undervalued as mm-hmm. well. And like, honestly, we should just have like much higher minimum wages. We should have like, anyway, 
I'm not going to go on a whole That's capitalist a long rant because yeah. we've already been recording for like 38 minutes and I, I feel like it's not <laughs> time for that right now, even though it's always the time to rant about capitalism. And the other thing is no one would call it entitled if someone who, for example, was doing a comp side thing and expected to be paid for a project they did. Yeah, That's exactly. not entitled. That's necessary. Exactly. But excuse you, your logo and your branding is not necessary. Yeah. That's what's getting people to come look at you. That's what's yeah. getting people to come talk to you. Yeah, and I do think that there is like a little bit of nuance in terms of like, I know that especially people who do like comp side stuff on, on more of like a freelance basis, like also run into similar yeah. problems um, sure. in terms of like not being paid on time, having to like, like chase people up for payment especially when it's things like like website design like creating a like tangible mm -hmm. thing for people for some reason yeah. like when you're doing that like people just don't want to pay up but i think it's partly because i think it's partly the like freelance versus working for an organization divide yeah, yeah, yeah. and i wonder if part of that is because freelancing is so like synonymous with creative work that it like yep yeah. you know it's like oh, I, well, I was wondering that too as you were saying they're like living the dream how dare they ask for money as well on top of their enjoyment it's like see and no. that's that was something that brings me back to something i was thinking while um you were talking slash chanting and it's potentially a good way to maybe a good thought to um sort of start start wrapping up on is one of the things that's characterized a lot of the observations we've both had is this idea that tech people have given that so many of them are doing it um, for stability or whatever, or maybe not even so many of them, God only knows, for whatever reason, there seems to be this idea that if I suffer for what I'm doing, you have to suffer for what you're doing too. And given that the yes. stereotype of the starving artist is already there, people just kind of play off of that and they're like, yeah, you have to suffer, excuse you. If I'm, if I'm, if my life is so hard and I'm working so hard to earn the, all this money, you don't get to earn the same amount of money by using a paintbrush on a canvas. Mm -hmm. Being massively stereotypical, but realistically, they are mm -hmm. equating putting food on the table with having some form of fulfillment. Now, we've already established that this is not an ideal world. And in an ideal world, people would all be able to be paid for the value of their work. But I don't understand this, right? Even in this context, can you explain to me why it is that you think that if you have made it and you have put in hard work, someone else is not also putting in hard work and is not also making sacrifices in their own right. And that because you're suffering, their life has to be hard too in a way that you consider hard when you don't understand any of the hardships they may or may not have been through to get to the point they're at. And surely if things are so hard, surely the idea is to make it easier instead of harder. I don't understand this whole idea of because I suffer, you have to suffer the same amount and you have to suffer yeah. not only the same amount, you have to suffer the exact same way I suffer because God forbid there are other ways for something to have been hard. And that's what I don't get and that's what's such a shame, although, and that's something that I think and I sometimes I wonder if that's where the whole idea of networking within like creative industries came from, where like in an idea to try and build a community to help each other because no one else was helping them, that then turned into this weird hierarchical thing of you have to know the right person, which is also like messy and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I have all sorts of feelings about networking. But um, but that's the thing is like it's such a shame that. Being quote unquote being being quote unquote objective means First of all, I mean, having established that there's no such thing as objectivity and like, let's not pretend that anywhere in the world is an actual meritocracy because it's not. All of it is about who you know and the connections you have. So you're being objective by making someone work for their like work themselves or pull themselves up by their bootstraps, as Americans Ugh. like to say. Good um, old American dream. Mm -hmm. Or but if you're creative, 
no, you don't get that. You have to pull yourself even more because you're not going to be, because I don't even know why, I don't understand the logic there because it genuinely does not make sense to me. And and honestly, if you're someone who believes this, I I know I sound angry and I'm not going to pretend I'm not. However, I am very, very genuinely open to listening to you because I would love to understand why you seem to think that is an okay way to treat another human being. And, I'm, I'm, and I know there's a lot of judgment there. I'm, again, not pretending I'm not judging you, but I would like to know. I would like to understand. And if you can maybe convince me that I, my, the reason that I'm approaching this entire thing is flawed and I'm missing something in your perspective, I am open to this. But I don't understand why the idea of not having a more collaborative structure to our workforce isn't appealing to everybody. Surely there is more than enough money in the world to go around. Honestly, with the, for example, with the amount of food that the US wastes on a daily basis, you could feed every single hungry person in this world. Every single one. There's a lot of hungry people in the world. That's the amount of money we have floating around. I don't understand where it's going. Why are we, why are we constantly supporting a system? Well, I know why we're supporting the system, but that's a capitalism rant, and that, like we've established, also is not for today. <laughs> At some point, we promise we'll do an episode that's just us ranting about capitalism, and then maybe it will get like at least fifty percent of it out of our system. I doubt it, but we could try. Maybe also, like I promise to try to scream less. <laughs> but anyway, so I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, yes. Agreed. Thank you for listening to this episode. In conclusion, we are all creative humans, whether we like yeah. it or not. However, <laughs> if the word creativity doesn't resonate with you, that's also okay. There's nothing inherently mm-hmm. good or inherently bad about being creative. It's just a thing. And I think mm-hmm. we'd just all be better off if we stopped attaching so much value to things. And also, what you do has no impact on whether you're impact. creative or not. Yep. Or on who you are or on your sense of self-worth or any of those things yeah. that somehow are so tied in with being creative or not being creative. Mm-hmm. Regardless, thank you for listening. And we're aware that this was um, much more of a janty episode than a structured episode with a... Um, but, you know, honestly, I think there are times and places for structure and times and places for janting. And this is definitely one of the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for listening. We hope this conversation resonated didn't resonate i really genuinely meant that open invitation to people who disagree with us and our views to actually talk with us about it we would love to hear from you yeah go over to our instagram send us a dm mm -hmm. or comment on our post from today with like i don't know do you think of yourself as a creative person do you feel like that corresponds with whatever industry you're working in or hope to work in in the future Mm -hmm. um do you think that we're right or completely wrong about like scientists also <laughs> needing creativity? Just, yeah, mm. let us know. And also while you're doing that, head over to whatever um, platform you listen to us on and give us a rating slash review. If you feel like it, that would be great. It will help more people <laughs> to come so that they can also listen to our capitalist rants. <laughs> And if you have anyone who you think would enjoy hearing today's specific conversation or someone who you even want to listen to this conversation with because maybe the way in which we talked about it reminded you a lot of the way in which you talked about it with someone and you just kind of want to share that same energy of our friendship around, then definitely feel free to send in the link and then you'll both have something to continue to rant about slash commiserate with slash pick your favorite action item and go with it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's all from us for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week, same time, same place. Much love. Peace out, y'all. Bye. 
thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of imperfection in training we'll check in again next week same time same place until next time